Hey, Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. Thank you for checking in, as always. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our amphibian NBA team, the Miami Heat. A bit of a bummer this Monday morning, mainly because of the game Miami dropped last night. But overall, definitely a positive week. 2-1, but also primarily the wins that Miami got won over the Boston Celtics, who obviously knocked the Heat out in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Always feels good to get a little revenge for that. And then another one against an Orlando Magic's team that I think could be a thorn in Miami's side uh, in the upcoming year. So good to still flex a little big brother status on them as well. I mean, yeah, when I say that, I don't even feel too bummed out about the Charlotte Hornets loss last night. But getting a little ahead of ourselves, as usual, we'll go through last week's games. Um, I'll make a last-ditch pitch towards Bam Adebayo being Miami's all-star over Jimmy Butler, and then we'll look ahead towards the next week of games. So let's go back to last Tuesday night, where Miami won, hosting the Boston Celtics 98-95. to uh, got a little bit tense as the game got right about to start because a few hours before the game, Jimmy Butler was announced to be out with lower back tightness. Heat went with nine deep rotation. Uh, essentially, all the same players are usually there, just minus Jimmy Butler. So no Dwayne Dedman or Leonard Robinson in his place. Haywood Highsmith got minutes, things like that. And it does need to be mentioned, like I mentioned before, with uh, like the Bucks a few weeks back where we beat them, but I had to mention that they were without Giannis and Chris Middleton. Uh, Boston, in a similarly disadvantageous situation, last Tuesday, given that they were without several starters. On top of being on the second night of a road back-to-back, they had played Orlando the night before because, of course, you have to play Orlando the night before you come into Miami as the NBA decrees it. But that all said, win still win. I don't care at this point. So the game itself, though, very great back and forth throughout the first half. Jason Tatum doing a lot of damage. Uh to keep the Celtics afloat until late in the second quarter, Celtics pulled away on an 11-0 run to close it out. Heat down eight going into halftime. Uh, As the third came around, Victor Oladipo and Bam Adebayo keep Miami afloat in the third, managed to chip away just a little bit, only down seven going into the fourth. Celtics pulled away early in the fourth, going up 10, and at that point, you're not feeling too good, but Miami completely flips the script, going on a 15-0 run to put them up uh, ahead by five. Celtics, to their credit, managed to tie the game at 95 with 42 seconds left, but a tie the hero to Bam uh, Ridridge set up gets Miami ahead too. A Tyler Hero steal off a of Jason Tatum pass on the ensuing play gets Miami the win. It's obviously a fantastic win, but really leads into the first takeaway that I have uh, from this game, which is just Miami over and over, I think this season have shown that they played their best, or at least they can maximize their talent when they're playing on an edge which may go to explain a little bit why they constantly get into holes, why they're always in close games, why they occasionally drop games to lesser opponents and play down to them. It's just hard to maintain an edge if you're blowing out another team. Uh, that's about the best I got for that. But the good part about the that mentality, or at least that trait, is when they're going up against the elite teams like your Boston Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks, Brooklyn Nets. It's a trait that I have attributed a lot to like Tom Brady and Bill Belichick Patriots over in the NFL and just that 
You can't leave the door open. You have to kill this Miami Heat team, bury them into the ground, and then throw dirt on top of it to make sure that they're actually dead. (laughs) And the Celtics have shown that consistently they will leave a door open for Miami. It it's everything from how that Eastern Conference Finals almost went Miami's way at the very end, how they even got it to Game 7 to begin with, and then it's everything that we've seen this season as well that, uh, in the few games that the Celtics and Miami have played. Like, the one game that the Celtics won, they killed Miami. And then the one that they didn't, well, the two that they haven't so far, Miami has rallied back, stormed, and won them. So, in that sense in particular, I don't mind any future matchups with the Boston Celtics. Uh, unless they actually start using that, that talent to its maximum, then I'm scared shitless. <laughs> but, other takeaways from this game. Uh, another huge Bam Adebayo game, 30 points, 15 rebounds, 1 assist because dude's looking to score, 2 steals, 1 block on 12 of 22 from the field, 6 of 8 from the free throw line, pouring in 12 points in the third, 9 in the fourth, so 21 of his 30 points in the second half as Miami came back to win this game. And then, as usual, just defensively locked it down. And then lastly, I, I want to mention uh, Tyler Hero, who did not have a great game, which is typical, uh, usually switch-heavy defenses with lots of long perimeter defenders like the Celtics give Hero problems. Uh, so, yeah, not a great game, like I said. Nine points, two rebounds, six assists on 4-19 from the field, 1-7 from the three-point line, no free-throw attempts at all. However, why I'm putting him in here was he was absolutely key at being the primary playmaker in the fourth. Again, Jimmy Butler is out this game. So it's on Tyler Hero and it's on Bam Adebayo. And Tyler Hero's playmaking in the fourth, superb. A little bit shot making too. He came alive a little bit. Five of his nine points in the fourth. Four of his six assists. And that's really what I want to key in on because three of those assists were during the 15-0 run that got Miami back into the game. And then the last assist was the one that set up Bam for the go-ahead bucket. So Tyler Hero's playmaking. Again, it's one of those things, right? The shot's not falling tonight. Can you find a way to punish defenses in other ways? Yes, through playmaking. And that playmaking down the stretch was key towards Miami's win. After a big home win like that, Miami would still stay home to finish off their homestand. That's a lot of homes. Uh, last Friday, hosting the Orlando Magic and winning that game 110 to 105. The game that Jimmy Butler was back. So, Heat as healthy can be, did their full 10 man rotation that they've usually been doing recently. Uh, for the game itself, Heat started well, but a slew of missed threes in the first quarter, no shocker there, led to some easy buckets that got the Magic offense going. From there, the Magic would retake the lead and then push it as high as up 10 on Miami in the first half, Heat eventually being down 59-50 to at halftime. Once the second half started, though, Miami came out, their defense ready to really clamp down on the Orlando Magic, doing so well, forcing a bunch of Magic turnovers as Miami took a very brief lead in the third quarter. Magic, to give them some credit, though, went on a 10-0 run to close out the third, had the Heat down six going into the fourth, but obviously knowing that, you know, they're back in this game, they just let, let go of the rope a little bit to close out the third. Fourth quarter itself, Heat retake the lead early in the fourth. And though the Magic would get as close as one, Miami was always able to keep the lead throughout the rest of the game and secured a solid win to close out their homestand at 3-0 and before going onto the road. 
As for takeaways from the game, Jimmy Butler back with vengeance. 29 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals on 10-17 from the field, 9-12 from the free throw line. Knocking down a ton of key shots and free throws in the fourth quarter, as you usually expect it. Again, Jimmy Butler picking right back up where we expect him to do. Take it over in the fourth and help Miami keep that distance for the win. Bam Adebayo as well, 20 points, 6 rebounds, 7 assists, 1 block, 1 steal, on 7-14 from the field, 6-7 for the free throw line. A little bit limited by foul trouble, finishing with 5 fouls, uh, and then picked up 3 in the first half, so I had to sit for a little bit. But still, he played the entire fourth quarter, locked it down on the defensive end, and a huge reason towards another Heat victory. And then last takeaway here, second half defense just really doing a great job. Uh, Forced 12 of the 20 turnovers for the Orlando Magic in the second half and held a Magic team that scored 59 points in the first half to only 46 in the second. So some great adjustments by Bo Spolstra and the team playing with a little bit, again, playing with a little bit more of an edge since this Orlando Magic team punched them in the mouth in the first half and using that to turn things around and get the win. So at this point, Heat will now go onto the road, starting their road trip last night. Well, sorry, not last night. Yesterday afternoon, I should say, with a loss to the Charlotte Hornets, 117-122. to The game started at like 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Basketball games that start at 1 p.m. always end up with like weird things happening. At least that's how the saying goes. But for the game itself... Heat healthy, though Spolstra only went nine deep, cutting Highsmith minutes. I think he saw the Miami Heat playing around a little too much with the Charlotte Hornets in the first half, and thus was like, all right, we need to go nine deep and make sure that we really try to win this. <laughs> Did not work, unfortunately. Uh, for the game itself, very tightly contested first half. Saw the Heat almost pull away a little at the end, but a Terry Rozier buzzer-beating three cuts the Heat's lead down to four going into halftime. As we got into the third, though, Miami would build a 13-point lead before everything started to collapse, especially the Heat's defense, giving up a lot of easy looks to P.J. Washington and Terry Rozier again, as well as having some problems getting the ball into Bam Adebayo uh, for his mid-range attacks, whether it was turnovers or just sloppy looks. Uh, Heat offense started to gunk up. Uh, Hornets capitalized on this with the with the easy looks that they got. And then another Terry Rozier buzzer-beating three had the Hornets up five going into the fourth. Into the fourth quarter itself, Heat fell down as much as double digits. However, they did rally and got the deficit as low as two. And it looked like, hey, maybe the Heat just going to have a little storm back win, as they usually do, just try to scare the mess out of us. But... The defense collapsed like it did in the third quarter. Gave a bunch of easy looks that allowed the Hornets to pull away towards what was, again, a five-point loss, 117-122. Major takeaways for this game, uh, again, silver linings and a loss kind of thing. Better game for Tyler Hero, 24 points, five rebounds, three assists on 9-21 from the field, 5-9 of nine from three, which is especially good. He's been struggling shooting three since returning from the lower leg injury. One of one from the free throw line. Still struggling a little bit with his efficiency, but again, he's making the effort out there. Uh, the three point looks like it's starting to drop. 
Hopefully this is a sign that he's moving back in the right direction towards being healthy. Next takeaway, bit of an odd game for Bam Adebayo. 17 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists on 8 of 15 from the field, 1 of 4 from the free throw line. Really looked uncomfortable. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, whether it was players trying to get passes into him or then him attacking off the dribble once once he had those post-ups, just couldn't get into a rhythm like he's been in for the past probably two or three months. So that's what makes you think that this may have been just more of an off night for Bam Adebayo. Again, only four rebounds as well, so not quite as active on the boards as we typically like to see, which is important for Bam because that leads into some of his transition game as well. So like I said, I think just a bit of an off night. And then last takeaway I really have for this, though, and no way around this, this is just a bad loss to start off the road trip, one that the Heat might have been looking ahead too much to again, like a Cleveland Cavaliers ahead of them, and overlooking the NBA-level team that is in front of them. Because cannot take that away, those are NBA-level players. Uh, but really bad, given that Miami lost, giving up 122 points. Like, you tell me the Heat lo- lose 105 to 103, I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of expected. <laughs> they didn't score enough points. That's what the that's how the Heat typically lose. But for the Heat to score 117, I you I would be like, hey, that almost sounds like they should have blown out the other team. But no, they gave up 122. The defense was not there. Most of that damage really being done by big games by Terry Rozier and PJ Washington, who for people that have listened to this know has been frequent on my list as a potential trade target for Miami. So maybe he's trying to audition a little bit. Hey, can you get me out of this, what's going to be multi-year rebuild in Charlotte and let me compete for something good on the right now for the Miami Heat? I mean, if that was an audition, it was a really damn good one. Because dude just torched us. I mean, again, 122 points, no way around that. Uh, so yeah, yesterday, not feeling too terribly great, but as I was doing the prep this morning, I really did look back. It's a 2 and one week. Miami improves to 28-23 overall. It is still a great 3-0 homestand, and though it was a bit of a dud to start out the road trip, it's a positive week with a good win over the top team in the East. Like, that that's positive, no way you, you spin it. Moving on, for the middle segment for today, I just wanted to pretty quickly talk about my who I think is Miami's very clear-cut all-star reserve, Bam Adebayo. So, uh, big news in the NBA last week. All-star starters were selected, and for the East, it's a lot of the ones that I talked about a few weeks ago. Kyrie Irving, which one hell of a turnaround from where he was uh, in November, I guess. That's all I'll say there. Donovan Mitchell, that seemed pretty clear-cut. And then the front quarter was just a matter of, of who was going to get left out, and it ended up being Joel Embiid. So Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo for the starters. Again, no questions there at all. It was just a matter of who was going to be the unfortunate one left out. So what that means now is the East coaches will pick the all-star reserves this week, of which they have seven spots to give. Two guards, three front court, two wild, in case you know there's an extra guard or an extra front court person that, that should be included. That, those all-star reserves will be announced this Thursday. So, you know, it's not like the starters. We don't get to vote on it. It is just the coaches. Obviously, they cannot vote for their own players. They have to vote for players not on their team that are in the East. So, the way I wanted to break this down was essentially 
the way coaches tend to go about picking reserves is leans a little bit towards rewarding good players on good winning teams because that's what a coach values the most. If you're a great player but you don't really translate to wins, eh. And, and even and oppositely, if you're a so-so player on a great team, it's like, well, then we can point to somebody else. And so long as a team has one or two players, that's typically how they, they try to pick the reserves. So let's just work our way down the east real quick until we get to Miami. And uh, we'll, we'll see where we get to there. So uh, up at the top of the east, uh, Boston Celtics. Obviously, Jason Tatum starting. Jalen Brown, I think, is pretty much a lock for one of those guard spots. That's one or two guard spots taken. Then you go to Philadelphia 76ers. Well, Embiid, unfortunately, was one left out of the starters. So he's going to very easily pick up a front court spot here. That leaves one or three front court spots left. You go to the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis is already starting. Middleton has not played enough games. It's only around like 11 games or so. We can maybe swing back around. We can have a conversation about Drew Holiday. For the Brooklyn Nets, well, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving already started. Uh, for the and there's nobody else on on the Nets after those two, uh, in terms of all stars. For the Cleveland Cavaliers, Donovan Mitchell is already starting. You can come back and have a conversation about Darius Garland or Jared Allen. Um, and then you get to the Miami Heat. So very clearly, you go down the list and you have a bunch of starters already, or clear cut locks. And when you get to the Heat. The coaches are going to give somebody on the Heat an all-star spot. Really, the only question that I see it is, is it going to be Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo t- taking up one of the front court spots? I don't think they've been good enough to, to lock down both, but the very least, one. After the Heat, you do have other teams like the Knicks, who I think will have at least one representative, maybe Julius Randle or Jalen Brunson. Again, the coach is going to look at them and say, hey, we need to get somebody from New York here. Hawks. Probably going to be Trey Young, maybe some talk around DeJounte Murray. Uh, 9th, 10th, Wizards at 9th, Bulls at 10th, maybe somebody in there. Raptors after that, probably Pascal Siakam will have a good conversation for an all-star reserve. Main thing I was trying to get to with looking at it is I don't see anybody that's really clear-cut for those other two front court spots after Joel Embiid. Though, as I said, I may be thinking Pascal Siakam a little bit. But it still leaves one front court spot for Miami that, that, again, they have to have. So in that situation, why Bam over Jimmy Butler? To be a little blunt, it's mainly just games played. So Jimmy Butler has played 36 out of 51 games for Miami, which when I was doing the research for this, I was a little surprised to find out that doesn't have him that far off from other players that are going to be all-star players. Like Kevin Durant. 39 games. Giannis Antetokounmpo, also 39 games. Joel Embiid, who I said is unequivocally a lock for the front court, 36 games. So in that sense, Jimmy Butler is really not that far off. He's managed to accrue enough games over January that he's at least in the ballpark of other clear-cut all-stars. Bam Adebayo, though, 46 out of 51 games. So, ten uh, again, 10 more games is a lot still putting up Defensive Player of the Year performance during that stretch as well. But that's kind of the floor for Bam Adebayo as, as, as he has set over the last few years. It's the growth on the offensive end, especially in his ability to attack from the elbows and the free throw line with mid-range or moves. 
He's ha- shown the ability to actually be able to attack some of those larger bruising centers that used to give him fits before and find ways to consistently score over them. And I think because of that improvement in his offensive game, as well as an improvement in free throw shooting, though that has started to taper off as the months have gone on, uh, he is putting up now comparable stats to Jimmy Butler. So just straight stat line, right? Jimmy Butler, 22 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists a game on 53 from the field, 30 from the three-point line, 85 from the free throw shooting. Bam Adebayo, 21 points a game, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, on 54% from the field, 10% from three, though he doesn't really take three, so that 10% you just kind of throw it out there. It's so such a small sample size. And then 79% from the line, because like I mentioned, his free throw shooting coming down a little bit from how high it was earlier in the season. But the main point being that they're comparable. And he's doing it in more games, and he's playing at a higher level on the defensive end than, than Jimmy Butler, which is not a knock on Jimmy. It really isn't. It's more just to say Jimmy's older. Bam's in his mid-20s. He's still working towards his peak. And he has all the athletic tools and size and length to be a defensive player of the year and the mentality to do it. Whereas Jimmy, at this point in his career, is focusing on rest you know, making sure he's healthy for the playoffs and pacing himself through the regular season. Bam has been the dry, the clear cut on offense and defense uh, with his ability to control the paint on both ends, has been the clear cut driving force for the Heat in the regular season this year. And that is what I think the Eastern coaches will really key on and say, you know what? Maybe we'll come back and have a conversation about Jimmy Butler for one of those front court spots or maybe even one of the Wilds. But one of the front court spots has to go to Bam Adebayo. Moving on. Unfortunately, I don't have as much time as I would usually like to. But as usual, look up at the standings, look at the injury watch, and then we'll look ahead to next week. So for the standings watch this week, again, we just focus on teams that are roughly around where Miami is. In fifth place, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers, currently two and a half games ahead of Miami. So we've made up little ground on them from last week, again, just inching towards it. Cavaliers, we'll talk a little bit about more of this later on, but still 5-5 five and five in their last 10. And they've been 5-5 five and five in the last 10, I want to say, for at least two or three weeks now. Which usually isn't a bad thing, but when you're already a team that's over 500, going 500 actually pulls your average down and means you're going to start falling down in the standings. Uh, then the Miami Heat themselves, still 6 they have that last playoff spot. They're just clinging to it for dear life. 7-3 to in their last 10. So Heat still doing great over this these last few weeks. In 7th place still, the New York Knicks just hanging right there, one game behind Miami. They're 5-5 five and five in the last 10. Heat can't seem to quite pull ahead, but we'll get to the Knicks a little bit later on as well. 8th place, the Atlanta Hawks. Two and a half games behind Miami, so they got a little bit closer to us as well. Hawks six and four in their last ten, and then just to mention them, they're at they're just at the edge right now, and it still at least finishes up the play in nicely. Ninth and tenth place tied right now. Washington Wizards who have won five in a row to get to the ninth seed, and then Chicago Bulls. Both these teams still four games back of Miami. Again, to say that like. If, if something breaks and we have a few bad weeks, the bottom of the play-in is still cl- uh, pretty close to us. Hopefully that gives Miami that, that edge that they continue to need to, to keep the wins coming. Moving on to injury watch, 
no updates yet on Nikola Jovic or Duncan Robinson uh, since their injuries were originally announced at the beginning of January. However, both of them were listed for about four weeks. So at this point, it should be about another week or so. Miami hasn't given any updates on that yet, as is usual. What is unusual, they actually gave us an update on uh, Omir Yurtseven, listed as fully healed today, cleared for impact play, which that could be that news could be significant more so for Miami's uh, trade deadline, in the sense of whether that means they want to trade Yurtseven to another team, like I mentioned before, maybe trying to trade him to the Hornets if they want a younger center. Well, hey... Here's a player that's about ready to play for you if you want to take him off our hands. Or if the Heat try to trade Dwayne Dedman and they still want another, uh, you know, breaking case of emergency behind Orlando Robinson, well, hey, you're at seven, it's coming back. And in a way, that was supposed to be the plan in the first place. Though saying all that, there's still no timetable exactly on his return. This says he's been cleared for impact play. And that's it. Again, Miami having a rare bit of health outside of the long-term injuries that have plagued them uh, throughout January. Moving on to next week's game. Miami will be on the road all this week to finish up a four-game East road trip. Then they will have a very rare three days off before a homestand that will start next after uh, next week's episode. But to finish off the road trip, this is a grueling one. And a pivotal one, mainly because they are playing the team that is directly above them and the team that is directly below them in the standings. First, they'll play the Cleveland Cavaliers, fifth in the East, 31-21 overall record tomorrow night at Cleveland. This is the second of a four-game season series against the Cleveland Cavaliers, the first game of which was one that the, uh, at the Cleveland Miami got obliterated November 20th. I was fortunately on vacation at the time, so... You know, didn't get me down too much, but I'm not on vacation this time. So if the Heat get blown out, I will be legitimately sad. <laughs> um, so for who's out for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Kevin Love out due to back um, on Sunday's game last night. But that's about it for in terms of injuries listed for them. So not even sure if you'll be out for the Tuesday game. The game itself, though, this is, a, I think, a legitimately tough matchup for Miami. It's a combination of the things that tend to pester Miami the most on both ends. You have a really great attacking backcourt with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, and the Heat struggle at times with point of attack. It's partially why they went out and got Kyle Lowry. It's why they like Caleb Martin and and Victor Oladipo so much. Uh, It's partly why they like the zone so much, so that way Bam can be hovering around the paint in case somebody gets blown by at the point of attack. Uh, and then on the other end for Miami, what makes it tough for their their offense particularly is the really great defensive bigs for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, mainly because one can switch it on the perimeter and you have the other one roaming the paint at all times, which makes things difficult for Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. But this is also the kind of young athletic team. Like, I think all of them are, I want to say Donovan Mitchell's the oldest at like 25 or 26. But yeah. A young athletic team that can get on transition also is traditionally given Miami fits. So keys for the game for Miami is, hey, here's a team that's above you in the standings and that on paper is more talented than you. You should have everything you need to play on that edge, grind this game down, do what they typically what they've typically done in big wins. Force a lot of turnover, like win the turnover battle, win the rebounding battle 
uh, slow the pace down to nothing, limit transition, and try to win a three or four point game in the end. Like, Cleveland has looked a little, maybe not shaky per se, but they haven't looked as elite as they did to start the season. So try to capitalize on that, uh, secure a big win, and move a little bit closer towards getting the fifth seed, which, you know, is your next stepping stone to eventually getting home court in the first round. After the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Heat will continue on at the New York Knicks on Thursday. Knicks team, 7th in the East, 27-24 overall. This will be the first of a four-game season series against New York Knicks. Uh, In terms of injuries, Mitchell Robinson for the New York Knicks is currently out for another four weeks. That's important just from a, he's a, as I understand it, a good defensive anchor for the Knicks that in theory should make things a little bit easier in the paint for Bam and Jimmy. The Knicks themselves are a team somewhat similar to Miami in that they've got a very limited offense, but a grinded out mentality and defense that helps them secure wins. So, you know, a little Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme uh, going into Thursday. But this is a Knicks team that, like I mentioned, they have a very tough defense. They've leaned into it as their identity for this season, and it's part of what's helped stabilize them and keep them in the standings close to Miami, so give them some respect for that. The defense itself limits two-point attempts at the expense of letting opponent teams shoot a high volume of threes, but the Knicks have done a good job contesting those threes, so that way the percentages haven't been too bad. So, I mean, you tell me that, and I'm like, oh no, that sounds... Like, it would be really effective against the Miami Heat who take way too many threes and don't convert them at a good enough efficiency. So for this one, it, I think it's going to come down to how well Miami is shooting threes. Can they space the floor enough to, to loosen up the paint for Bam and Jimmy? The importance of this game also does not need to be uh, understated, right? Like, the Knicks are one game back. So this one, this game right there could very much be who has the sixth seed on Thursday. So, yeah, I would go as far as to say that the next game on Thursday is the most important game of the week. Cavs, a, you know, good but clear second. And then this last one against the Bucks on Saturday is very clearly third. Like, we want to beat the Bucks, sure, but... Like, give me the win. Like, if we, if we go 2-1 next week, I will very gladly have that one loss be the Bucks. Uh, but this Bucks team on Saturday to finish off the road trip, third in the East, 33-17 overall record, 7-3 in their last 10, on a four-game winning streak currently since they got Chris Middleton back. So all the vibes are good in, in Milwaukee at the moment. This will be the third game of a four-game season series. Miami is currently 2-0 after that home-and-home home, um, a few weeks back in January where Giannis and Middleton were out. Uh, not going to be the case now. But hey, again, like I, like I mentioned with the Celtics, a win's a win at this point. Uh, for the Bucks, the only one really listed on the injury report, Bobby Portis out at least the next few weeks, and then Serge Ibaka out awaiting uh, trade discussions. Really, I think this is going to be a good test of Miami's front court, particularly Caleb Martin, because Giannis will be healthy, Lopez will be out there, and this is a team Miami could play in the first round in a 3-6 matchup. So if Caleb Martin unfortunately gets crushed by a much bigger front court between Giannis and Brooke, it may impact how Miami looks at the trade deadline and says, oh, okay, all right, well, we 
definitely need to upgrade the four because Martin can't hack a playoff series uh, against that front court. Just uh, again as an example, I feel like I'm picking on Caleb Martin, and really not. Again, he's a great player. He just doesn't seem like he has the size to do what Miami needs from that position. And the other reason why I'm kind of discounting this game a little bit and also looking at it as a good test is I am fairly confident the Bucks are going to come out very motivated on Saturday to beat the mess out of Miami. We did beat them 2-0 already. Uh, it's a best-of-four season series. I don't think the Bucks want to want to lose to us. Giannis will be back. He's prideful. There's always been a little bit of bad blood between this Heat and Bucks team over the last few years because of the playoff matches against each other. So just to say, you know, I think the Bucks will come out motivated to stomp the mess out of Miami. So if it happens, it happens. The main thing, again, is pick up the wins at Cleveland and Knicks. And then whatever happens against the Bucks, I mean, you're playing with house money at that point. And at that point, sorry, I should say, assess how you do against the Bucks to determine what the trade deadline should be going forward. Uh, so after the Bucks game, like I mentioned, there will be a rare three days off Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday off for Miami. And then they will host the Indiana Pacers on next Wednesday. However, we will cover that on next week's episode. So I do thank you all for hanging around today. That'll be all for this episode. Please, if you can, follow the pod at Heaters Heating and myself at Kyle underscore B underscore Russell on Twitter. Also, check out the other great pods we have at OTG Basketball for Twitter. Links for everything, as usual, in the show notes. I'll be back next week. Till then, hope you all have a good one. Heat Nation.